0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is forgiveness and confession. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so last week was failure. <laughs> the irony being, as I'm editing a podcast on failure... Going through some pretty big failures of my own that week. That was fun. Oh. This week, let's take a look at the other side, which is
0: forgiveness and confession. Absolutely. And I will say that last week after our failure podcast, there was a night where I was up pretty late as well, going, Oh, all the ways that I failed. Yeah, ah, it was rough. Failure is rough. And going into a new year, I think. Everybody gets reflective and ponders back and thinks about the things they didn't get done and all well, and that kind of jazz. Well, the resolutions tend to be the things that you failed on <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to try to do better
1: next year. Right.
0: Which is kind of a positive spin, but never really feels like it. No. And you can change it and be like, I'm setting intentions this year exactly. instead of resolutions. But we all know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's taking the arbitrary random day and saying, this is the new day of the next blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So reality is we hit failure and then we seek forgiveness to hopefully find a way to move on. Yeah, because once we get stuck in that trap of feeling terrible because we didn't get something done or accomplish what we wanted, it can be really freezing. And once you're stuck there, you can't go forward and live the life that you're intended to. So we have to find our way through. And that's where we come up with confession and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Where do we want to start with? We want to start with forgiveness. Well, it's interesting because I think that forgiveness is one part, but we almost have to start with confession. Okay. Because you can't, forgive yourself for something or forgive someone else for something if you don't know what it is.
1: Oh, the same thing that naming
0: the thing takes away the power of it? Yeah, naming it is nine-tenths of the job or whatever it is, right? So if you can't figure out how to articulate what you haven't accomplished or if you haven't been able to know what it is you failed at, then you can't really forgive yourself or forgive someone else. Okay. And so that's where confession comes in. And I think that confession is this weird Thing that gets tied up with our television understanding of the Catholic Church. Oh, very much so. Right. And you actually grew up Catholic. So I assume. <laughs> yes, I did. You experienced confession.
1: Oh, man. So confession, I remember most as a kid. And it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> because you would go into the little room knowing that the priest was on the other side and you would have to say all the things you did wrong. Now, supposedly. The anonymity of it made it easier to do, but not really. No. That's not how that worked, especially not as a kid. And then you're in that situation of, you're nine. What are you really going to (laughs) forgive? Not a lot of chance to do some good sinning at nine. (laughs) So it's always the same. I yelled at my mom. I Uh said a bad word. (laughs) I hit my sibling. Uh It's
0: just, it was silly yeah for lack of a better word did it make identifying when you fell short of who you wanted to be did it make that easier or just a ginormous source of guilt
1: it had no bearing on it whatsoever because oh. the confession part at church so completely removed from any sort of confession of anything that i had actually done wrong in <laughs> daily life <laughs>
0: <laughs> no bearing whatsoever. <laughs> so no, <laughs> that's real. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll take that. So in the Roman Catholic Church you have this individual confession. Oh yes. And you can actually do that in the Lutheran Church. Individual confession is still an option. It's allowed. It's allowed. Okay. And I think that we have talked about this in like various podcasts historically about the sacraments, because Martin Luther really liked confession and forgiveness. And he didn't want to lose that from the practice of being a person of faith. I will give you this. American Mm -hmm. Catholics,
1: they like the sinning part very much. (laughs) (laughs) The confession is just the I'll feel better afterwards. Right. Really good at doing Mm -hmm. the sinning.
0: The benefit of confession, like actually going for an individual confession Uh and going to someone to say something that you have done wrong, is that it's an opportunity to no longer carry that burden on your own. So as an adult, if you think about it in that fashion, that by going to someone else and going to someone who represents God Mm -hmm. in a formal capacity, that you can share the burden of that heavy weight of having screwed up. Mm -hmm. And even today in a court of law, if you have someone who is like myself, ordained from a large denomination, has a historical, you know, many years of practice of being a professional religious figure, that kind of a thing, a denominational backing. If I am in formal confession with someone, what they say to me in that confession is private. Okay. And a court of law can't even force me to reveal what has been said. Oh, wow. okay. So for example, a minor that I know had been arrested and charged They have been given a court-appointed therapist and a court-appointed attorney, Mm -hmm. and the judge made it very clear to the youth involved that anything you say to these folks can be used in the court, Okay. and anything you say to your parents can be asked for and used in court. Anything you say to your friends can be used in court. If you have a religious figure that you have a relationship with, you may speak to them in confidence, I still find that an interesting exemption. I think when we recognize how holy it is mm-hmm. to have the space to actually tell another human being where we've really, really messed up. Mm-hmm. Without the judgment coming hand in hand. Exactly. I think that's really powerful. And we downplay it and it gets tossed off as a Great TV trope to have the dark boxes and the light on the outside, you know, come in Mm -hmm. or busy or Mm -hmm. whatever for confessional. But the reality is that the sacredness of that activity of looking someone in the Lutheran Church's case, it's not anonymous, right? We Mm -hmm. don't have the confessional booth. So it's sitting in my office with the door closed and my stole on to make very clear when the confession time begins. Official capacity. Official capacity. And looking me in the eyes and saying, I did X. Or I was in this situation where this thing happened. Or I have no idea why I'm being accused of this, but this is what's happening within the friend group that is telling me this, right? Whatever it is that goes along with that story, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, that's a powerful opportunity to then hear, God still loves you. Mm -hmm. We're going to hold you accountable and we're going to walk with you through the situation and God still loves you. That's interesting. I'm thinking about all of those
1: websites where you can type in basically a confessional
0: Yes. But, I had never thought about it that way. But you way. don't
1: ever get the God still loves you, somebody's no. walking with you component of it.
0: No, but that need to be able to say when you've messed up or that need to have that place to confess. Even if you can't do
1: it face to face, mm-hmm. to be able to do it somehow, some way, mm-hmm. it's a very compelling
0: human trait. Yeah. But then our faith tells us that there's the next piece of it that always comes along. And that's where forgiveness comes in. Right, The confession portion is being able to articulate where we've missed the mark, where we've made a mistake, where we have caused harm, mm-hmm. not just I ate the last piece of cake without asking permission mm-hmm. kind of a thing, but I purposely ate the last piece of cake because I didn't want to share it with my sister and I knew that she would be hurt and disappointed and I was angry at her for eating the last candy bar at Christmas. And I wanted her to feel the same hurt that I did. Mm-hmm. And so I intentionally caused hurt. To name that and to own when we have been intentional about harming another person or another creation is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And then comes the opportunity to hear forgiveness.
1: Uh huh. What I especially appreciate in the Lutheran Church is the forgiveness does not come with homework. There is no say five Hail Marys, <laughs> a holy queen, <laughs> a glory be or an our father.
0: Uh-huh. It just is. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. And that's where some people can say but that's cheap grace. Don't you have to earn it? Don't you have to do anything to receive it? Mhm. That's where forgiveness gets a little tricky to talk about sometimes because I think that people think that forgiveness is just getting out of jail right mhm and it's so not forgiveness is much more than that forgiveness is not just about letting go and ignoring what has occurred
1: now are we talking forgiveness of yourself or forgiveness of others
0: yes okay either I, one i think it's both and i know that sometimes in north america we have a harder time forgiving ourselves I'd say it's about 50-50. There are some (laughs)
1: grudge-worthy things going on.
0: Okay. So that's real, right? Mm -hmm. And learning how to forgive stuff is really a big deal. And for myself, when it comes to forgiveness, I almost always tend to go back to Desmond Tutu's work. Okay. So Archbishop Desmond Tutu is an amazing religious figure from South Africa. and. If folks are unfamiliar with him at all, I highly recommend looking him up and choosing a book and reading it. Any one of them? Any of them. Anything. He's amazing. Incredible. His story is astonishing. If you want a book specifically about forgiveness, there's two of them that I would recommend from him. One of them is more of telling his life story and how he came to understand forgiveness. Okay. And how forgiveness and reconciliation go hand in hand and how they are not cheap, how reconciliation and accountability all go together. Mm-hmm. And really, some of the most in depth, difficult to understand, heart wrenching, not an easy book to read. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's some violent and graphic material in the book. So there's your content warning. Because Desmond Tutu lived through apartheid in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the ones who helped to establish the Truth and Reconciliation Committee that heard the stories of the time of apartheid and led the country through to a different way of being. Mm-hmm. He was a, a, one who worked alongside of Nelson Mandela And shifted that country. And so the book title is called No Future Without Forgiveness. And it's more theology and life story than it is the workbook on how to do it. Okay. Now, recently, a decade or more later, he and his daughter co wrote a book on forgiveness. And it's more of like a workbook. Okay. How do you? actually do this thing? How do you practice forgiveness? And it walks you through. It walks you through being able to articulate and name what it is that you are forgiving and finding the way to actually give words to it. And it gives you exercises and things to practice on and and they're so generous. They say, you know, don't start with your biggest hurts. Don't start with your deepest grudges. Start small and build up. Start small and build up. Okay. Forgiveness is a practice, it's a skill, it's an art form. You're mm-hmm. not going to get it right away. You're not going to be able to forgive your deepest hurt if you haven't learned how to forgive the smallest slight. Mm hmm. That makes sense right? And so you start with the small stuff and then you build up. I think it's important whenever I talk about confession and forgiveness, actually, I always think back to my Lutheran ethics class. Oh, I didn't know such a thing existed. Yep. So in seminary, we had to take an ethics class and it kind of went hand in hand with a confessions class about like, what's the theology that we really believe? And then it's the ethics class is like, how does that apply? How do we actually apply it? Okay. And we were given a case study of what do you do if someone comes to you and confesses beating their spouse? Mm-hmm. So it's informal confession. They're confessing that they have done this. How do you handle that? Mm-hmm. And the whole conversation was around a couple of different things. One, mandatory reporting. Okay. And what does it mean if someone is in immediate danger of harming themselves or others and the necessity of reporting regardless of confidentiality? Okay. And wrestling with that question of how do you maintain the confidentiality and still keep everybody safe? Uh Uh-huh. Then came the conversation around what do you do with this member? Do you proclaim forgiveness or not? What if they show zero... Guilt or regret about beating their spouse? What if this person has no problem with the fact that they have beat their spouse? Uh huh. And they are saying it in confession so that they can get it off their chest and feel better about it, but they don't really feel any guilt. There's no
1: repenting that goes on. There's no
0: repentance. What do you do? And the deep conversation, the hard conversation that we had was, Do you or do you not withhold a word of forgiveness? But it's
1: not really your forgiveness to hold or withhold, is it?
2: Yeah.
0: Right? That almost makes it worse. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So then we started talking about, okay, if we cannot withhold God's forgiveness and we cannot withhold God's love, because that's not... In keeping with our confessions and what we believe to be true. And not your role in this world. And not our role in this world. I mean, the scripture tells us whatever you loose will be loosed and whatever is bound will be bound. Okay. And God's forgiveness is bigger than us, right? So if we can't withhold God's forgiveness, what can we do? Does it actually serve the individual or the community To give them a word of forgiveness with no accountability.
1: How do you give forgiveness with accountability?
0: Law and gospel, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Welcome to the balance. So you say, God loves you no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's reality. You have harmed your spouse. You've broken family bonds. You've caused damage. God has forgiven that. And God loves you. And this does not build up community. And this does not serve you or your spouse. And so here's what we're going to do. As a community, we're not going to leave you alone with your spouse at the church. Okay. We are going to drop by your house unannounced. We will be checking in with your spouse. We will Assist your spouse in
1: leaving if necessary. So it's still not necessarily about shame. Correct. Which is what we would all want it to be <laughs> from a very human standpoint. <laughs> right? It's much more about fixing the problem, walking with the problem, and moving forward.
0: And also saying, not only will we do these things alongside of you, I will walk with you and help you find an anger management class. Mm -hmm. I will go to that class with you the first time if you would like. I will help you in negotiating your health care to find a therapist Mm -hmm. to assist you. Right, It's actually instead of forgiving the person and walking away and washing your hands, Mm -hmm. accountability can bring you in closer to that person right? To hold someone accountable is to stand close alongside them and help them through these really, really hard and awful things. Mm-hmm. And it's harder anytime that we oh, actually, totally. right? Anytime we actually live the law gospel tension, it's
1: harder. You just brought up going and helping somebody navigate the U.S. healthcare system.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. It's terribly difficult. Uh-huh. Right? And that's the kind of thing that Forgiveness is not cheap. It's not easy. It's incredibly expensive and difficult. Mm -hmm. And part of what I learned from reading No Future Without Forgiveness, and I read that book back in seminary, and it, it was one of the core texts for me in understanding how to be as a person of faith. And one of the things that they talk about in the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, the TRC, that just boggles my mind is they would have the perpetrators the soldiers Mm -hmm. come into court and they're the victims families the victims themselves may no longer be alive Mm -hmm. but the victims families would be in the room and the perpetrator would look at the victims and tell their story No holds barred. Whoa. This is what I did. I kidnapped him. I harmed him. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into the gruesome details Mm -hmm. on a podcast. But Bishop Tutu gives details Mm -hmm. of the atrocities, right? Totally puts them out there. And the stories are told to the loved ones. And it gives a validation. Both for the families, it says that, yes, what you feared was true. Okay. Right? You're not making it up. You're not blowing it out of proportion, right? It gives validation. Uh Uh-huh. This evil occurred. And in some ways, that can be empowering. Okay. Like to say, see, I told you, this horrible evil existed. We're not sweeping it under a rug. We're not pretending it doesn't exist. We're not going to hide from it. We're going to look it straight in the face. And we're going to look at that evil and we're going to say that is evil. And we're going to name it and the power of that. Okay. And for the individual who perpetrated it to be able to say, I committed this evil. This was a part of me. This is what war did to me. This is what this system led me to. This is what... The darkness of my own heart led me to.
1: Now, at this point, many people are possibly thinking, what good is coming of this? You're just dredging up horrible acts, and now everybody feels terrible.
0: And? And? The beauty is that once it is spoken, all parties are no longer tied to that evil. Because now that it's been named, now that it's been shown, you can look at it and then you can find the way forward from it. Okay. For some, not all, I would assume not all people, but for some, the stories in the book often talked about how the victims were able to tell the individual, we forgive you. Which is so amazing to me. Right. We release you from this. And some of the soldiers, some of those who had been the perpetrators were able to say, I ask for your forgiveness. I am so sorry that I did these things. And that genuine accountability, speaking what it is, like, it's not like the kind of I'm sorry. And, and we will really do this podcast on sorry. I think mm-hmm. you're, you're spot on that we need to do this. It's not a, I'm so sorry you feel sad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. A genuine, I committed this atrocity and I regret it. It seems such
1: a huge thing that when you hear these stories, it boggles my mind that people can get to that point. Yeah. Because everything seems so divisive. And I've seen similar things come through. Facebook and other social media sites about... Charleston? Well, Nazi victims. Mm, mm -hmm. And the victims Mm -hmm. forgiving the Nazis. And they're like, well, I don't know what to do with this forgiveness. And the victims are like, you don't have to do anything.
0: Yeah. And I haven't heard a ton of that. I have seen the shooting that happened in Mother Emanuel Church. That the victims' families, several of them offered forgiveness to the young man who came and killed them. It's stunning, right? It's overwhelming. My Mm -hmm. brain goes back to Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) As it often does. As it often does. And that scene at the end where Angelica is singing about Hamilton and Eliza, and she says, you know, there's things that you just can't name. Forgiveness. And when Eliza forgives Hamilton of his need to have a legacy, of his marriage and discretion, of the death of their son, and she forgives him. And that moment where the music pauses and forgiveness, can you imagine? And every single time I listen to that song, I bust into tears at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Right. And it's that idea. For me, it's not just the story of the music. It's not just the story of Hamilton that Miranda created so well. It's this entire forgiveness concept
2: mm-hmm.
0: that somehow God created us with the capacity to eventually listen well enough to one another's story and to enter into one another's story enough that we are able to see a way through it. Not past it, not ignoring it, not tossing it off as if it were nothing, but actually through it. And it is, I think, the most difficult and the most powerful part of the Christian faith. It's interesting to me that you hear these stories and you think,
1: that is amazing, and it doesn't apply to me because I, I've never been in a situation that big. Right. But it's not just about those big moments mm. of genocide and horrible right. atrocities and whatever. It is as small as I forgive my sibling for eating the last piece of cake. Exactly. Because it
0: starts there. We're back to the start small. Right. We build up the capacity to forgive by practicing in the small things.
1: Well, and I think we don't realize what we carry around. Yeah.
0: We really don't.
1: No, not until you stop and think about it. And then you start going, oh, I still do carry a grudge from that thing that that person did to me five years ago. And I really should just let it go.
0: And for me, I carry tremendous amounts of shame Mm. of things that I have done and I can't undo and I can't. Now I got Game of Thrones in my head. Since I haven't seen it. (laughs) Shame. Shame. But it's that kind of recognition of when I've made a mistake and not been able to follow through with the forgiveness and reconciliation piece, Oh, this shame is huge. Right? Learning how to forgive myself, mm-hmm. that's where that comes in. Because I'm never going to hear a word of forgiveness from this other individual. Well, there are those situations. Yeah. And that is specifically where learning
1: to forgive yourself is as important as waiting to hear forgiveness from somebody else.
0: And I think that the book of forgiveness, which is Tutu and his daughter's book, Talks about that. Oh, that's good. And gives opportunity to kind of explore. You may never actually talk to the person that you are apologizing to. You Probably may, not. May not. Or you may never hear a word of forgiveness from someone that you have slighted. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, one of the things that they talk about is that it's not about the other person mm-hmm. when you are doing this spiritual practice. Confession and forgiveness are not about Being made right with another human being, although that's really important.
1: Well, and that's good because there are a lot of situations where the other person just simply isn't around. Right. And cannot
0: give you that forgiveness anymore.
1: And And you've still got to work past it.
0: Exactly. You've got to find your way through it. And you've got to figure out what is this going to mean. And that accountability, I think, really matters. Because I think that if we just toss off and say, okay, well, accountability is to go do 10 nice things for five people. Uh, now you're back to your back. <laughs> Right, I wasn't going to say it because I don't want to <laughs> n- knock another denomination. But right, like <laughs> if you just toss it off that way, that's one thing. But if you seek true accountability, then where do you go for your next steps? And how do you manage your next steps in that accountability? And how do you follow through for reconciliation? And that's really hard mm-hmm. work. And no one can do that hard work for someone. Mm -mm. That hard work has to be a choice that is made. And you have to go into it with some really intentional effort.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, then on to last question. Is there anything truly unforgivable?
0: Hmm. Eating the last piece of cake. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is so hard, right? Because you're getting into theology questions. I don't think there is anything unforgivable by God. Okay. Excellent way to couch that. Right. I think that there's plenty that I have not yet built the capacity to forgive. Sure. I think that there is plenty that has to be held accountable on this earth. Yep. And I think that God is a whole lot bigger than any of us. And if I'm going to believe that God's grace is sufficient for me, then I have to believe that God's grace is sufficient for everyone. And that means that God's forgiveness, whether I like that or not, which there are many times where I do not like it. Sure. But if I am going to lean into the forgiveness of God's grace being big enough for me, I have to believe it's big enough for everybody. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for
1: taking the time to help us learn a little more about Confession and Forgiveness I look forward to sitting down
0: with you another week on another topic. As do I. Thank you for joining us and thank you for listening along. It would be wonderful to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a note at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.